0: I've been thinking about this particular scripture here. This is in Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, it says in verse 19, it says, which, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, being sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that with, within the veil. Uh, the key part I wanted to talk about this morning was just uh, at the beginning of the verses, which hope we have as an anchor of our soul. And the hope that he's talking about here is uh, the hope that we have eternal eternal life. And so it's not hope like maybe it's going to happen. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is a confident expectation, uh, because we know what the word says. So it's the hope and the joy that rises up because of the hope. So uh, knowing that, that we have eternal uh, eternal life in us, in a, our eternal destiny is with the Lord in heaven. He said, if you know that hope, if you have that hope, he said, it's an anchor for your soul. Uh, and of course, last week uh, we were when we finished up talking about um, the the uh, Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus was talking about building your house on the rock. You know, this, this is uh, in line with that same idea that uh, when we have the hope and the knowledge and the joy that, that we have eternal life in us and that we have our eternal destiny in heaven, he said that will cause your soul to be anchored. So it's not talking about your spirit, your soul, right, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Uh, and so uh, we have this hope right now. And so our, our souls, our mind can be anchored and steadfast because we know our destiny. Uh, and if you know your destiny, you know, then your soul can be anchored. It doesn't have to be flighty and just, in, in, you know, a lot of the world is in confusion and, and fretfulness and uh, worry and anxiety and, and these types of things. But the church can have a, a, a soul, your, your mind, your will, and your emotions being perfectly steadfast. Anchored because you know your destiny, uh, and we should be that way, amen. The church should be the most stable mentally, most stable emotionally, most stable uh, psychologically, uh, the most stable people like that of all the people of the earth. Uh, we should be anchored, amen, anchored in the hope of our destiny. Uh, and so, uh, uh, and we activate this by faith, amen. It's there, it's always true. But until we activate it by faith and say, Lord, my soul is anchored in in the knowledge of my eternal destiny. My soul doesn't move uh, because of the circumstances and situations of the earth. My soul is anchored because uh, I know where I'm going. Uh, And so uh, that's the way we should be. Amen. We should be fretful. We should be worrisome people. We should be anchored uh, in our eternal destiny. Amen. Uh, and I, I, I've always liked uh, Hebrews 619, uh, which hope we have as an anchor of our soul, uh, sure and steadfast. Is that is that how we can be? Amen. I was going to ask you, is that how we are? But, you know, uh, sometimes that's not the best question. The best question is, is that how we can be right? <laughs> Hopefully someday you can say that's how I am. Right. Uh, but uh, at least get to where you can say that's how I can be. Amen. Uh, that's half the battle right there some people say, no, you can never be that way. Well, that's in direct violation of what the Word says. Amen. The Word says I can be this way. That means I can be this way. Amen. Even if I'm not that way, at least I can have a goal of then I can be that way. And that's really how we should approach the Word of God. When we recognize we're not that way, that's fine. But then your next statement of faith should be, then I'm going to be that way. Uh, uh, Because if that's what it says you can be, then that's the way that I want to be. Amen. Not fretful or full of anxiety. And so, Regardless of what happens in Israel, I have an anchor of my soul. Amen? Regardless of what happens in the economy, I'm going to anchor my soul. Regardless of who's elected president, uh, Lord Jesus, help us if it's the wrong one. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be unchanged. Amen? Uh, and so, because sometimes I think, well, I'm going to be fine, but what about everybody else? Amen? Uh, you know, I, I know sometimes you think about People complain about gas prices. Well, I don't complain about gas prices because I've got a supply. The Lord always, is always my supply. But everybody doesn't believe that. Everybody doesn't know that. And so it does hurt other people when gas prices go up uh, double and triple from what they could be. Uh, it doesn't, it's not going to affect me because I, I have a supply, but, you know, I'm not the only one in the world. And that may be news to all of us, right, that we're not the only people in the world. But, uh, but so do we have an anchor of our soul? Uh, do we have that hope? Uh, amen we do and, and so uh, let's stand and greet yourself for just a minute and we'll get into praise and worship we don't have to wait until eternity father to join that chorus we sing your praises today father we worship you now father father we do it by faith we do it because of what's on the inside of us father. we look forward to seeing you face to face father we sing, Father, because you live big on the inside of us. We sense your spirit, Father. We know your presence. So, Father, we sing your praises. We declare the goodness of Almighty God. We thank you, Father. You're worthy of all praise. Worthy of all honor, Father. Your name is holy. You are a holy, Father. We worship you, Father, Father from that which we know Father, we know the presence of almighty God we know father the spirit of the almighty God we thank you father we thank you father father we choose to do this we choose to worship you father father we know even in your word that you said that we can bless the lord father we as created beings can bless the Almighty God. So Father, we choose to bless you. We choose to worship you, Father. Father, there's no greater act of faith than to worship the God that we cannot see. We choose to worship you, Father. You are worthy. Your name is worthy. Your Son is worthy, Father. We thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We thank you, Father, that worship is going on right now, even in heaven. Father, we worship you even now on the earth. So, Father, heaven and earth are in agreement that you are worthy to be worshipped. We thank you for that, Father. Father, we give you thanks and praises for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord worthy to be worshipped? You know, we're so thankful for him, so thankful for his presence. Amen. So thankful for what he's done for us. So he's been good to us. Amen. We thank the Lord for his kindness and mercy. And, um, you know, part of the job of the scriptures is to... Uh, is to describe and to show us and to give us the revelation of who God is. And, you know, we should read the scriptures to know that. Amen. Uh, and we should allow the scriptures to challenge everything that we think about the Lord. Oftentimes people think the craziest things about the Lord. Amen. And, and you know, sometimes I hear things and I think, have you not ever opened your Bible ever? Uh, and yet they say just, a, just the oddest things about who the Lord is, you know, And and, and so... And besides that, not only does the word of God reveal who the Lord is, but the spirit of God lives on the inside of you for the also for that very reason to, to give you the revelation of who the Lord is. Uh, and so uh, we, we have a greater blessing than really any other religion in the whole world because the spirit of God on the inside of us. The Bible says that his spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are the sons of God. And so people, are, how can you know? Because I have a witness on the inside of me. Uh, am I a child of God? And that witness on the inside of me says, absolutely. Uh, You know, people, how do you know you're going to heaven? Because I have a witness on the inside of me that says you're going to heaven, amen? Uh, And so it's really what distinguishes Christianity from every other religion that, that, you know, every other religion, all all of their folks have died and they're gone, they don't even know where they're at. You know, Muhammad's dead, you know, uh, Confucius is dead, Buddha's dead, uh, you know, all these people are dead, uh, they don't, they, and they're, they're not speaking anymore. Well, the Lord hasn't stopped speaking to us, the church, amen. We have both the word of God and the spirit of God to speak to us. Uh, and they've got old, dead, written words that are, uh, that are out of date and uh, of no value, and nobody to back them up, amen. The, the Bible says that, that he confirms his word with signs following. He backs his word up uh, in, the, in the world that we live in today. And so we're thankful that we have such a, uh, you know, I, I would be really sad to, to have a second-rate religion, amen, a mediocre religion that, that uh, uh, hasn't changed or uh, hasn't given us any more revelation in thousands of years, right? I don't know when Confucius and all those guys were around, but they've been gone for a long time. And, and um, all these folks, you know, all the Muslims, you know, they serve their God called Allah, uh, and um, he hasn't done anything in the last thousands of years, right? They think he's special, but uh, he's just a, a, another boring, run-of-the-mill, uh, uh, second-rate deity. He's not even a real deity, but uh, a second-rate religion. Uh, and um, uh, we're not trying to be, uh, people say, well, you're being, you know, I'm not trying to be controversial. It's just, you know, you compare any of that to the Almighty God, you know, and it's all second-rate, amen? Uh, and so uh, we're thankful we serve the, the real, true, uh, living God, amen, who's alive today living on the inside of us today, in the earth today, operating on behalf of his people today. Amen. He's not a dead, forgotten God. He's a living God. And so we're thankful for that. Well, let's open our, our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 9. We'll get started there today. because we finished up uh, the Sermon on the Mount and um, last week. So we're starting a new era. Amen. Uh, get, we get a new topic. And typically, I don't uh, spend that much time on a series on Sunday mornings, uh, and, but that's that what uh, since we should do go through that uh, Sermon on the Mountain, which of course that was Matthew 5 6 and 7 those three chapters and if you go through there and look at that it's almost all red which means it's Jesus who's speaking almost entirely in those three chapters without any other uh, things going on and so he had a lot to say in that Sermon on the Mount uh, and um, a lot of good things to say amen uh, and so uh, we're here in Matthew chapter 9 uh, and um, we'll get, we're going to get started talking about the compassion of the Lord, and one of the things that that we want to learn from this is, you know, when we read the scriptures. Of course, when we read, for example, the the Sermon on the Mount, we're finding out the doctrine that Jesus is laying down. Right? He's laying down kind of new doctrine, shifting the whole course of humanity from old covenant thinking to new covenant thinking, uh, and so a lot of that was transitional information for us. Uh, but the other thing that that uh, is helpful for us to do as we read the scriptures is not just. Uh, a collecting doctrine, right? Not just collecting knowledge and facts, but also to see how Jesus operated and to learn from his example. And that's one of my favorite things to do uh, in, in reading the Gospels is to not just see what Jesus said, but also see how he operated. Because he left us an example. Uh, his example was that he came to the earth as a man. Amen. He was deity, but he chose to come to the earth as a man without any inherent power and ability. He said multiple times that, that I can't of my own self do nothing, which was a true statement, right? Well, no, that's not true. He was the Son of God. He, it's a true statement because he chose to lay that aside and set himself up in such a way that he could, of his own self, could do nothing. That means he had to have the Spirit of God to empower him to do anything that he did. So everything he did on the earth all, all the revelation, all the teaching, all, all of the, the praying for folks, raising the dead, he did by the power of the Spirit of God. He did that as an example to us. That uh, after he left, and then he said he sent the Spirit of God into the earth so that we would operate exactly like he did. We don't operate as deity. Anybody in here God? Uh, anybody here think they're God? Now, there's a few folks that think they're God, right? Uh, but they're not. Amen. Uh, no, nobody in here is God. But Jesus came to the earth as not God, right? Now, he was God, of course, because he, he was Jesus. But the power of the God had that he, that he had inherently in himself as God, he said he laid that aside for a short period of time to come to the earth and to give us an example of here's how you can live as a person filled with the Spirit of God, empowered by that same power that he was empowered with, uh, and, and then to do the same things that he did. And so uh, one of the things that's valuable to look in the Word of God is to not just read the doctrine that Jesus taught us, but also to see how he operated and then to follow that, follow that pattern. Amen? Uh, and so uh, let's start here in uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. It says that Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And so, of course, you can uh, spend a lot of time on that. We spend a lot of time on that in healing school, talking about this, such verses. But how many sicknesses and how many diseases did he heal? Every one of them, right? He healed every sickness and every disease that was among the, people that were there, among the people that were there with him, right? And he's preaching here in all the cities and all the villages, teaching in the synagogue. So everywhere he went, every city, every village, anybody that came to him, he healed every sickness and every disease. Well, that, that's not him teaching doctrine. That's him showing by his life how he wants us to live. So is, is there any person that came to him that left unwell? No, no everybody that came to Jesus left well. Amen? Uh, and so that, that right there starts to establish a pattern that, uh, that anybody that we're around, uh, if they come to us for healing, right, if they come to us with a need of sickness and disease, then uh, who has a right to leave well among the Christians? Uh, Anybody who comes to us as a child, uh, as we are children of God, we are here to operate in like manner of Jesus because we are his body, right? Uh, And so we're supposed to operate in the same manner that he operated. So they say, well, why don't you go to the hospital and and get everybody healed? Jesus didn't go to every hospital. Uh, He didn't go and seek out people that were unwell and heal all of them. He did on occasion go and seek out specific people and heal them. Uh, and so. But sometimes he would walk by a thousand sick people. Amen. And, and if nobody said, uh, thou son of David, have mercy on us, they would, they would remain the same that they were when he walked by them. But everybody that cried out to Jesus was healed. And so when people say, why don't you go to the hospital? Jesus didn't do that. And so if Jesus didn't do that, I'm not compelled to do that. Uh, now, if everybody in the hospital wants to come here to the church... And ask us to pray for them then then our faith is they will leave well amen and so uh people make that statement all the time why don't you just go uh pray for everybody in the world to get healed jesus didn't do jesus did not do that and so we should not be compelled to do that because oftentimes they're trying to get you to to uh to prove that jesus exists well my job is is not to prove that jesus exists we're supposed to believe that he exists amen but everybody that came to Jesus left well. And so that, that's a good example for us, amen? And so let's find that balance in the church and not be under so much pressure that we've got to prove to the world that God exists. Uh, but then, then he says, he continues on in verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. And so that's what we want to talk about is the compassion of Jesus and how it affected his life. What did he do with his compassion? Uh, he said, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Why? Because he said, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. We're going to talk a little bit about that here in just a minute. But I want to set the, the groundwork on the compassion of the Lord. You know, what is this? He said, he was moved with compassion on the Lord. And, so, of course, you can look this up just like I looked it up and, and get some insight into this. Uh, this is not talking about emotions, right? Because this, this, when it says move with compassion, this talks about uh, the, the uh, one translation talks about the bowels of, of humanity. Uh, and of course, that's not a very uh, polite word to use, right? Because it has other connotations in our society. Uh, but it's talking about the depths of who you are. So this is not talking about that he was moved with his emotions. Your emotions in your soulless man, which tends to come out of your mind, your will and your emotions... Uh, And so uh, he's not talking about being moved with emotions. Uh, And the church has a hard time with that because we're so used to operating only in the emotional realm. And how we relate to God is only in the emotional realm. And how we relate to people is only in the emotional realm. You make me happy, I'm happy. You make me mad, I'm mad. Uh, And that's kind of typically how the church operates. Amen? Amen. And we say things like, well, they may be mad, right? And, of course, if you've been here more than uh, 30 40 seconds, you know, you know that that's not a biblically true statement, right? Nobody can actually make you mad. Uh, and and I, would, uh, I would encourage you to be honest in your life, amen? Because oftentimes we say, well, they may be mad. And the way, reason why we say it that way is because if, if you actually made me mad, then it's not my fault that I'm mad. And it's your fault that I'm mad. And so I am not responsible for any of the guilt of being mad. Uh, And, of course, we think that's a true statement. We hope that's true because we don't want to be held accountable for us being mad and and the ramifications of what we did when we were mad. And so we're hoping that we can be unguilty by saying, well, it's somebody else's fault that I'm mad. But the problem with that is it's never going to work. Amen? You excusing your actions by accusing somebody else of what they've done uh, and making that the reason why you did what you did never holds any water with the Lord. It never works out for you to blame somebody else for your actions. Adam tried to do that, didn't work out for him. Eve tried to do that, didn't work out for her, amen? And through the history of of the whole scriptures, you can go from the Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation and find people trying to do this right here, point fingers of, of why they did that. And the Lord's like, no, you're responsible. Whatever you did, you're responsible for what you did. Doesn't matter what anybody said to you, doesn't matter what they did to you, you're responsible for what you've done, amen? And if we could live that way, See, then that makes it really easy. So, when, so instead of saying, well, they made me mad and I did this, because uh, then there, there's no repentance necessary for that action, right? Well, Lord, I couldn't help it. Well, that's not really true, but we try to say that, right, to remove the guilt. It's better to say, Lord, I chose to get mad and I chose to do the thing that I did. Nobody made me do it. But the problem with that, it makes you look bad. But at least it's true and, and honest, amen? Because then you can repent, right? Because then you can say, well, Lord, I chose to get mad. I did this thing and nobody made me do it. I chose to do it out of my own free will. And so I ask you to, to forgive me. See, then you can get over it, amen? But oftentimes we say, well, they made me mad, therefore it's not my fault. And so I'm not responsible for anything that I've done because of that. Then you're still responsible for that guilt. And it may be, may, that guilt may be with you the rest of your life, amen? And whatever ramifications that guilt uh, includes. How many times did Jesus tell people, uh, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you? Oftentimes, you know, people did things, right? It, that, that wasn't the case with every sickness. But oftentimes, sickness was a result of somebody's prior actions. And the only way, remember in, Mark chapter, in Luke chapter 5, when, when the man was born by his four friends, uh, and they, they opened up the roof and let him down. And first thing Jesus did was, was son, thy sins are forgiven. And now I can heal you. And then he healed him, right? But see, in that case, he couldn't get healed until he, he dealt with the sin that he had been, we don't know what it was, but whatever it was, was a hindrance to him being healed. And oftentimes, we try to remove guilt by excusing our actions, not knowing that, that that guilt could cause all kinds of problems in our life. And until we deal with the guilt, we may not be able to get past the problems that are going on in our life. Uh, and, and, and if we would just be honest and say, well, Lord, I chose to do it. Nobody made me do it. I chose to do that. Because you chose it, whether, whether you say it or not, it's still true, amen? <clears throat> it's never true that it's not your fault. It's always your fault. What did you do? It's still your fault, amen? Now, the Lord may still hold the other person accountable for them, him causing you grief, right? Remember in, in, in Luke 17, when he said, it's impossible, but that offenses will come. Is, is that true? Are offenses going to come? Somebody's going to come try to make you mad? They're going to come, amen? He didn't say, you know, if you get saved, you'll never be offended again. You'll never have the opportunity to be offended again. He said, it's impossible. They're going to come. But then he also said in the second verse there in Luke, Luke 17, he said, but woe unto them through whom they come. So he did, he did, But then the whole rest of the chapter is still back to you, right? He gives you one verse of saying that somebody else has got something to do with your being, being mad, but then the rest of it is all about you, which is kind of how the Lord works, right? We always want well, Lord, what about them? I'm not talking about them, Right? I mean, you know, over the years, I've been married for 34 years. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the Lord to help him fix my wife. Mm-hmm. Lord, would you help her? She, she just won't do right. Burns biscuits or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I can't, I can't give you the list of things I prayed about because you'll, you'll, you'll realize how completely selfish and childish I am. So I'm not going to tell you what I've actually prayed about that. But, you know, I have gone to the Lord about her many times. <clears throat> and then he'll be, as soon as I say something, he'll be like, well, what about you? And I'm like, Lord, I'm not here about me. I'm here about her. But he never, he never at one time ever go, well, let's talk about her. Not one time. It's always like, what about you? And so I just gave it up as a bad cause trying to ever uh, help him. So she's still a mess because none of my prayers ever worked for her, right? And so, uh, no, it, the Lord always dealt with me, always dealt with me. He never allowed me to, 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 to bring anybody else in on my problems, ever. He always, because basically he's of the opinion if I would live right, then I wouldn't have any problems with other people. And that's really a good way to be if you can get there, amen? So Jesus, uh, it says he was moved with compassion. So this compassion comes from the very depths of your spirit man. It doesn't come from your emotional realm. It's not pity. I mean, sometimes the translation of this word comes out as pity, but pity is a very emotional uh, response to people. You just pity them and you, know, you feel sorry for them that, that's not what compassion is. He said when it's moved with compassion, it's actually a single word in, in the original language. The move with compassion is a single word. Uh, and so that compassion is the love of God, the agape love of God that's in you. And, and the way the translators, the best way they could come up was it, that he was moved with compassion. That, that, that agape love that he had for people caused action to occur something to happen in his life, that he was moved. Uh, he had to, uh, some action had to occur on his part because when he saw the people that, that his spirit man just compelled him to do something. And so that, that's what this word means uh, when he was moved with compassion, that he was moved by the spirit of God, the agape love of God in him, he was moved to action. Uh, and, and so we should learn from Jesus because he, was, he, you know, he didn't just feel sorry for them. He didn't just have emotional response to them. Uh, That love of God in him compelled him to do something. And so you know, what we want to do is look at some of these examples of how Jesus was moved with compassion because there there are several things uh, primarily in the Gospels where we see this. And our responsibility is to see how he operated and then to follow his same pattern. And so in, in this case, it says he was moved with compassion. What caused that compassion to rise up in him? He's observing the people around him. He says all these people from villages and cities and towns came to him uh, and he's looking at them and he's looking at their lives and what's going on in their life and and there's just something in him. Lord, uh, uh, when he's talking to the Father and in his heart to the Father, we've got to do something because what's he observing? He says, and we've talked about this verse many times, but but in the context of being moved with compassion, I think it's helpful. He says uh, at the end of verse 36, because they fainted, and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. So he saw these people. You know, he's going through all these cities and and towns everywhere. And what is he seeing the people do? They're just just floating around. No direction, no purpose in life. uh, And just, he said, they're fainting and scattered abroad. So they're not moving in unison. They're not going with the same goals and intents, not trying to accomplish the same things for God that they need to be. He said, just wandering around. Uh, How are they wandering around? He said, like sheep having no shepherd. And, you know, you, you see sheep that have shepherds, what are they doing? They're all heading in some direction, right? Wherever they're going. If it's time to eat, they're all going that direction. If it's time to go get sheared, they're all heading in that direction. If it's time to do whatever, they're always, always being led by the shepherd. And that's sheep with a purpose. But sheep without a purpose, he said, they're just scattered around. Amen? And, of course, it's not so much a teaching about the church, but it follows in line with how the Lord established the church, one of the things that, that, that he was moved with, because he saw this, was he was moved to establish the church, and, and he said, as sheep having no shepherd, and so what is he telling the sheep? He calls all of us sheep, right? Uh, and, and what is he telling the sheep? That the sheep need what? Sheep need a shepherd, right? Why? Because the, the purpose of the shepherd is not to run your life, right? I'm not, to, I'm not your Holy Spirit. I'm not supposed to tell you what cars to buy, and what jobs to take, and I'm not not that's not my job my job is to shepherd you and and to show you the path to go to and hopefully you follow that path amen not following me Uh, my job is to point you to the word of God and show you what the word of God says and for you to okay I can do that that's the job of the shepherd uh, in the church and 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 now who set this up well the Lord Jesus set this up right that he set up the shepherds in the church he did, amen. And, and in fact, he calls them in, in Ephesians chapter four, he, in verse 11, he talks about the fivefold ministry gift, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And, and that word pastor there in Ephesians four eleven is the same Greek word as shepherd used here. And so pastors can be called shepherds, right? And I've always thought it was odd that some churches don't believe, uh, we don't believe in pastors. You know, they, they, won't, they won't call them pastors or shepherds, right? I mean, you can call me a shepherd too, uh, just as well. It's just really, it's like, why, why not? Well, we don't, we don't think you should be called that. Well, Jesus called you that, right? Uh, and Jesus said, you need that. And so they call them things like, you know, teaching elders or whatever, just, you know, uh, dumb words like that. Uh, <clears throat> well, no, uh, my job is not to run your life, but my job is to show you the path from the word of God that you should take. And, and that uh, as good sheep, uh, your response should be, okay, if that's what the word says, then that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and so, so that compassion Because he saw the people just wandering through life. Uh, Now, these are the people that he's talking to, right? These aren't just, these aren't the heathens that he's talking to. These aren't the people outside the the covenant of God. These are the people inside the covenant of God that he's looking at. And they've got no purpose in life, no direction in life. Uh, And why? What's the reason why they don't? Because they don't have a shepherd in their their life. Uh, And so every Christian, every child of God should have a local pastor. Notice he doesn't say because they don't have an apostle, because they don't have a prophet, because they don't have an evangelist, because they don't have a teacher. He said because they don't have a shepherd. Uh, and this right here, this verse, should, should encourage every Christian to have a pastor. And yet, uh, how many Christians don't have pastors? Well, they, they don't go to church. You know, even a lot of ch- Christians who go to church don't have a pastor, right? They go because you know it's a it's, it's, uh, 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 meal Sunday, right? And they go because they get to the paint walls, or they go, they go, but they don't have a shepherd. Amen? Now, has this been out of balance sometimes? It has been out of balance in in times. But I think the balance right now is way to the wrong side right now, where, where, you know, in the times past, uh, church members have worshipped their pastor, right? I'm not worthy to be worshipped, so you should never worship me. So that's out of balance. But I think in in today's society, that 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 the pressure in the church is to not have a pastor. Well, I go to lots of different churches. Well, then you don't have a pastor, right? Well, I just watch it on TV, but well, then you don't have a pastor, right? I mean, we're thankful that we have your know, live streaming and stuff and it's helpful and, and available, but that's not, that doesn't make you have a shepherd, amen? That makes you have a, you know, I just watch TV evangelists, right? Before it was live streaming, people would just watch, well, I just watched church on TV. That's not having a pastor because uh, what's going to happen if you need somebody to come pray for you? You're going to call up his TV evangelist and have him come and fly in his private jet come and lay hands on you? Not going to happen, Right? You got you got uh, struggles of life. You want some counsel? You're going to call up this TV evangelist and say, "Hey, I'm trying to decide which car to buy. You know, you got any input in that? You know, Who are you, right? Uh, he, he's not going to answer that question. Uh, uh, you know, you're going to get married. You know, hey, can you uh, uh, marry me and my and my uh, fiance? He's not going to do that, right? And so, uh, why? Because he's not your shepherd. So people will say that, but you know uh, th- that rebellion rises up to people i never have understood the rebellion that that just drives people to not be in church the, the church right the christians i'm not talking about the world i'm talking about the church right there's so much rebellion i don't go to church well then then you're telling the head of the church that established the local church that he was wrong to establish shepherds in the earth that, that he didn't know what, that well you know he didn't understand in 2023 that we don't need local churches <clears throat> really that's funny that the lord jesus would change his mind amen uh, is there still a need for a local church there is amen every christian every child of god who declares that they believe in the lord jesus should be a, a faithful member of a local church uh and, and i'm not i'm not I'm mad at you i'm not mad at you you know because uh, i'm fine because i go to church every sunday amen <clears throat> and, and um you know even sometimes i don't feel like that. i may just lay at home you know i can't really do that I do, I do have responsibilities but long before i was a pastor i was a faithful member of a local church amen uh, Jerry was with me when I was not a pastor for many years. We were good friends. How many services did you see me lay out uh, in those, those years? Uh, I, I didn't ever lay out of church, amen? And, and look, I'm not, I, there's no pressure. I'm not trying to beat anybody up. Uh, Jesus made a, uh, an important point here that, that when people don't have shepherds, what does he see is going on in their life? That they're scattered ab- abroad and they faint uh, in their spiritual life. Uh, and what did that cause him to do, though? See, it caused compassion to rise up in his life. Amen? Uh, and, you know, when, when I see people, uh, it's the same thing for me when I see people that just struggle through life uh, as Christians. Just, you know, they struggle in life, they struggle in their, in their spiritual life, they struggle in their mental life, they struggle in their physical life. Uh, that compassion rises, I think, well, you need a pastor. That, I don't get mad at them. I, I have compassion for them. I think, you need a shepherd. You need somebody that can help you with these things. And really, you know, people, oh, I need counseling. You know, if you just show up at church and listen to the messages, you you really don't need any counseling at all. You know, the Spirit of God covers almost everything. I can't tell you how many times people come up to me and said, what you said is exactly what I needed to hear. Well, see, they didn't have to set up a meeting for counseling. Just come to church and hear, right? Because who do you think the Spirit of God is going to speak to when you're here? He's going to speak to you because you're here, Right. Uh, and so a lot of things that I say, I say by the inspiration of the Spirit of God, not even knowing that it's the Spirit of God, just, you know, just have an unction to say that, not knowing that that's exactly what somebody needed to hear, because that's his job, amen? Uh, and, and I like it that way, because that way, if I say something, uh, and maybe, it, maybe it, it may, uh, you know, I'm not trying to step in your toes, but sometimes it does. See, I don't know that it's, I'm stepping in your toes until you tell me. Well, you know, what you said, really, you are stepping on my toes. Really? I didn't know that, you know? Uh, I, I mean, people have said, you know, we were talking about that, we were fussing about that thing just before church, and you talked about that. Well, that's because God loves you. Amen? Uh, and, and He doesn't tell me that, hey, say this about them, because it, it would be hard for me to do that, right? Because I don't want to be manipulative uh, and, and, um, and just mess with you like that. So, the compassion of the Lord, from the depths of his being, it just it bothered him to see people scattered abroad and fainting. And, 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 and so it moved, he's able to move with compassion. He was moved to action. Right? So what, what does he do? Uh, immediately, he starts telling them, okay, we, we've got to do something here, boys. And so this, this is when the, the thing started shifting in his ministry about what to do. And so he said here in verse 37, uh, then he said unto the disciples, the harvest truly is, truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So the compassion of him seeing the people struggling in life was to do something about it. Well, we're going to go send laborers out and gather them together. Right? That's what we're going to do. We're going to gather people together, and we're going to send shepherds uh, in their lives to teach them, instruct them. That's what we're going to do. And so he said, uh, uh, there's so many people out there, we don't have enough people to, to gather in these sheep. We've got to pray, Lord, uh, send, the, send the laborers. Notice he doesn't he say anything about praying for the lost. He, he never says pray for the lost. He says pray for the laborers that go to the lost. Amen? He never says pray for the lost to get saved because what is there left for the Lord Jesus to do for the lost to get saved? He does he need to go back to the cross? Does he need to shed any more blood? Does he need to go uh, suffer any more through trial of any kind? for the lost to get saved no he's already done everything that's necessary for the lost to get saved so what he needs is the people to go gather them together and it's not just for the for the lost right you know the, what the lord uh, has given to us in our, our heart here is we read that on the wall it says to reach the lost right that's the number one thing get people that don't, never heard the lord jesus never accepted the the gospel of the lord to hear the gospel and to accept the lord jesus That's what we want. Now, all of us are are commissioned to do that. Amen. It's not just the pastor. All of us are here to be able to reach the lost as laborers. But the second part of that is those that have lost their way. How many sheep don't have a shepherd? They're they're scattered abroad. They're fainting in in their life. Amen. People say, well, it's not about uh, numbers in the church. You know, it's like like we're embarrassed to say we want everybody to come to church we possibly can. We should not be embarrassed to say that. We want everybody that's not in church to be in church. And, and we think this is a good church, so come here. I mean, I can't, I can't tell you what the church is like down the street, but I know what this church is like. Shouldn't, we shouldn't ever feel ashamed or embarrassed of, of, well, you know, it's not about numbers. It's 100% about numbers. What's the Lord trying to do? Get everybody in heaven as he can. It's not about bragging about numbers. I understand that. But it's all about getting people into the kingdom of heaven. Don't ever feel ashamed or, you know, well, brother, it's not about numbers. It's not about numbers. It's not about bragging about numbers. But it is about getting people in, in the kingdom of heaven. Don't ever feel ashamed about God's call upon the church. Our, the call of God upon the church is to advance his kingdom and to get people into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. And don't ever feel bad about that. I don't feel bad about that. You know? What are you trying to do? I'm trying to get every seat filled. Well, brother, are you trying to brag about that? No, because if, if seats are filled, they're not going to faint. If seats are filled, they're going to go to heaven. Amen. Uh, and so I'm not going to feel bad about it because the devil loves to, well, don't be in pride, brother, about trying to get people into your church. You know, uh, I mean, you're going to try and get people in other, other churches. Do you know what that church is like? I mean, I, I know there's plenty of other good churches, but you know what this one's like. Amen. And so are we in competition? We're in competition against the world, the whole church. Amen. Uh, I'm not in competition with the church down the street. I want their church to be full, too. Amen. Uh, and so so what did Jesus do? He was compelled. we We've got to pray. Get more laborers out there. Well, we're, we are the laborers of God. Amen? Uh, you know, we don't, uh, the Lord sent everybody else. Well, you, you know, uh, all of us have a mission field. Every time we go to Walmart, I mean, there's, how many people you reckon get saved at Walmart? A lot of people they get saved at Walmart. Just go in there, it's like, wow, that guy needs to be saved. I mean, you just tell the way they act, right? Uh, and so, all of us have a mission field. All of us have, it. now we don't have to, you know, uh, I'm not a big fan personally of sitting on a street corner and preaching at people. You know it's just in our society nowadays I just don 't know how good it does amen, uh, and we 're going to see actually the Lord never told us to do that particular thing there and so uh, uh, people doing it i, I don 't have a problem with people doing it, but I just don 't know how effective it is because I want to see how the how the head of the church set these things up for us to do this, and let 's follow his example. amen, so the compassion of the Lord rose up we 've got to get more people out into the in gathering the folks into the kingdom of heaven that 's what he said He said, "Pray ye therefore." the Lord of the harvest, amen? He said the harvest is truly is plenteous. Well, who is the harvest? The harvest is everybody that's not in church, amen? And that would include unsaved people and saved people, right? That's the harvest. They need to be in the church under a shepherd if, uh, for their lives to, because to, to re, remember he said in, back in Ephesians 4, 11, he said he gave us the, the fivefold uh, ministry gifts. He said in verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, See, our job as, as pastors and shepherds is to cause the saints to grow up. That's what perfecting means, to grow up. So, so you won't find anywhere else in the Word of God that says, if you want to grow up, do it outside the church, outside the church building. It's biblically impossible to grow up as a Christian outside the church building. Uh, just by never going into the church building, is what I mean, right? Uh, a lot of people say, well, I, you know, I had get all the church I need to on my couch. No, you're not being perfected. Amen. You will never grow up. Now, I didn't write the word of God. You know, the Lord wrote it. And, and, you know, if you just look at how did the head of the church establish things, well, let's follow that plan. Amen. And so our job in the ministry is to, is to cause all of us to grow up for the work of the ministry. What's the work of the ministry? You know, for years, I, I, I remember years ago, people would teach on that. and They would say the work of the ministry is painting that wall and, and cleaning that carpet and, and fixing that outlet over there. And that's not the work of the ministry. That's work. It's necessary work. It's got to get done. But that's the, the work of the ministry is the kingdom of heaven. My job is to teach all of us how to advance his kingdom. Get people in the church. Not in, not just in the universal church, but also in the local church. Get them in this building to hear the word of God, to grow up uh, in, uh, in the things of heaven. That's the work of the ministry. The work, uh, you, you know, we use the other idea about painting and, and carpet cleaning because we're so desperate for people to do things we try to we try to pressure them and 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 to shame them into cleaning the carpet or or painting the walls look you want to paint the wall praise god come and help paint the walls amen i'm not going to shame you into doing that amen we have a work day on on a saturday to church come if you can if you can't i'm not going to shame you amen that's between you and heaven amen <laughs> uh, uh, that's not the work of the ministry i want to teach you how to be led by the spirit of god which, so when you are walmart the Lord says, hey, uh, go ask that person if you can help them. Go ask them if you can pray for them. Go ask them if, they, if you can lay hands on them. Amen? Uh, that, that's the work of the ministry. Uh, and so we're thankful for the other things. We're thankful for the people. And we always have a good turnout when we have uh, work to be done around here. Uh, so, I, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't shame you anyway. Amen? If I said, hey, let's work on Saturday, and I got here and nobody showed up, i just do the work. i go on. Amen? I, I refuse to get bitter about people not, not helping out. Amen? And so, but you all do a great job around here, so it's not a problem anyway. But he said, the harvest is plenteous, large, but the laborers, the people that are out there doing this work are few. So what did he say? Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. So what does he call the harvest? The harvest is the world. When he talks about the harvest, he's talking about uh, the world. In, in fact he talks about uh, I don't have time we don't really have time to go over there right now. I'll just read it in James chapter five, verse seven. It says, Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Be patient. Well, how many times do you hear people say, uh, Lord, come quickly? That's not being patient. That's trying to hurry him up. Amen. I never pray, Lord, come quickly. I always say, Lord, delay as long as you possibly can. Now, he said, Be patient therefore, brethren, of the coming of the Lord. Behold the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. He calls the world the precious fruit of the earth. All those people, those heathens out there, we call them heathens, right? And sometimes we don't mean it in a very nice way, uh, but the people, some, some of them hate God. Some of them hate you. He calls them, all those people, even if they hate you, the precious fruit of the earth. So see, the compassion of Lord, when you see them, even if they hate God, the compassion of the Lord should rise up. And Lord, they, they need heaven. See, that, that from out of, out of your spirit, man, when you see the, the worst sinner of the world, compassion should rise up. Lord, you call that person the precious fruit of the earth. And so, Lord, I, uh, how can I help them? What, what can I do? Sometimes the Lord may say, I want you only to pray for them. Sometimes the Lord say, I want you to go speak to them. Sometimes the Lord may say, don't, don't even say anything, but go do something for them. Show them the love of God. And so you've got to be led by the Spirit of God. You've got to wait for the, the, the Spirit in you to instruct you how you should go and assist that person. Because sometimes they're ready to be harvested, right? They, God has done all the work for years sometimes, preparing their heart, preparing for them, ready to receive uh, the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus, and they're ready for the harvest, and that's your job. But sometimes your job is to water. Sometimes you got, you, your job is just to go and, and show them the love of God without ever saying anything about heaven. And so be led by the Spirit of God. Know, know the time and season, Amen. Don't just go barreling over everybody and say, you've got to get saved, you heathen. I mean, you know, that's true, but it may not be the time for them to hear that. Amen? You know, the Lord, sometimes he has to work on people for years. Sometimes they're ready the moment that you go talk to them. Sometimes your job is only to water. Amen? In order to pluck out some, some weeds. So, so Jesus said, again, when he saw the people that were scattered about, he, compassion rose up. Because, Lord, we've got to have people. I, I, I don't have enough time in myself to go talk to everybody we need more people we need more help and so that's where jesus starts expanding his ministry beyond himself is when he saw this and the compassion rose up his desire is lord we've got to meet more people we've got to get to more people we've got to get uh more uh people who know you out into the field uh, and to advance your kingdom so send forth laborers into the into his harvest uh, and, and but he didn't stop there uh, and we're, we're about out of time here, but I, was, I want to read this. You know, the Bible wasn't written in book, chapter, and verse, right? It was written as a single, as a single uh, book here. But we divided up the book, chapter, verse for our, our benefit, and that's fine. But see, right after he said, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest to send laborers out, what did he do? It says in verse 1 of chapter 10, And when he had called unto him the twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So immediately, that action, it wasn't just, you know, sometimes, well, you know, let's go pray and do things. Let's go pray pray about things. That's fine. But he also then uh, yielded to what the Lord, what he just prayed for. Lord, send laborers. And the Lord's like, well, there's 12 right there. Like, okay, I'm going to go send them. And so so he not only prayed for the laborers, the Lord, the Father in heaven, through the Spirit of God, showed Jesus immediately the 12 that he's going to start with. So it wasn't just talking about it you know in, in uh, uh in theoretical terms the compassionate lord rose up and moved him to action to then go find 12 laborers immediately to start this work uh, and so and that's what the compassionate lord will do is uh, it, it's not just looking at somebody and feeling sorry for them sometimes the compassionate lord is, you'll look at somebody you feel sorry for them and then you go pray for them you go speak to them you go do something on their behalf so that's what we want to learn from the compassion of the Lord is the compassion. He says he was moved with compassion. So you can be moved with compassion, moved to action, whatever the Lord tells you to do. So, so you don't have to make a law about it. Well, I've always got to do this way, always got to do that way. Let the Lord, let the spirit of God in you show you how you're supposed to be moved with this compassion. When he was moved to compassion, he, he first of all prayed and then he immediately assigned the laborers, these 12 laborers to go do this work. And so that's one of the first things that you'll notice about the compassion of the Lord, that when you, when you allow yourself to yield to that compassion, you will do things, right? Whatever that thing looks like, it doesn't, uh, you know, there's no law, there's no rule about what it is. You may go help, you may go speak, you may go pray, you may go lay hands on folks, but something will happen. Something in your life will change when you yield to the compassion of the Lord. Uh, and, and, and so what we're going to do is we're going to look at several examples, and we won't be here uh, we won't be here a year like we were with the, you know, with, with the uh, the Sermon of Mount, uh, but we'll be here long enough, Amen. And what we want to do is look at the example of Jesus and see how he yielded to that Spirit in him, and what resulted by him doing that. And let's follow that example. Let's allow ourselves to be moved with compassion, because a lot of times, you know, we did well. I don't, you know, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go to church. You know, I don't want to pray for people. I don't want to go witness to people. Uh, You know, the the Lord's not asking you to do things like everybody else is doing things. Yield to the Spirit of God, and he will show you what your place is. Because we all have a place in that, amen? We all have a place as laborers of God, but what does that look like? Well, it's going to look like whatever the Lord wants you to do, amen? Uh, And, and, you know, well, I'm not good at speaking in front of people. Well, he may never ask you to do that, amen? Uh, A lot of people uh, aren't called to be behind the pulpit. But that's not where the majority of the labor, laboring of of the harvest is occurring anyway. The majority of the laboring of the harvest is outside these four walls. That's my job is to instruct us and teach us so that we are laborers when we go forth. Amen. So, uh, you know, it was never the intent of the Lord that the pastor does all of the evangelizing. The intent of the Lord is that the people in the church do all the evangelizing and bring other people into the church because we're moved with the compassion. Amen. Not under legalism, not a, well, I've got to go, you know, I've got to go, you know, witness to three people this week. That's not, that's legalism, amen? Uh, it, it's whatever the number is. It may be one, you know, some people, may, they may only pray for one person to get saved their entire lifetime. But they've still doubled their number in heaven, right? Over, what, over just themselves. And so we'll look at a few more examples here about, about the compassion of the Lord. And what we want to do is learn how to recognize that and then learn how to yield to that. Amen? And we see the example from Jesus that he was moved with compassion, he prayed, and then he acted uh, because he saw the effects of people's lives and the course they were on right now wasn't the best course for their life. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for for the word today. So Father, we do thank you for the word of God. And Father, I thank you that all of us as children of the Most High God have the compassion of the Lord in us. And so Lord, I ask you to, to teach us, to show us, how to recognize that compassion. Not pity, Father, not, not uh, feeling sorry for somebody, Father, not an emotional response, but a spiritual response. And, Father, that spiritual response will cause us to, to move to action. And we thank you that you'll show us what that action is, Father, how we yield to that. And, Lord, it'll be according to your plan and your desire. And all, all we have to be, Father, is willing vessels to yield to your plan and your desire, and we'll do that, Father. And we thank you, Father, that, that the, the roles of heaven will be uh, increased, Father. That people's lives will be established and people will, will have better lives on the earth. We thank you for this, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for the Lord in Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Uh, can we do that? Can we yield to that compassion? You can, right? We all have the capacity to do that as Christians. Uh, and so... Uh, and you know I look around we're all in here Christians today so we can do this amen Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this afternoon's or this morning's tithes and offerings Uh, don't forget uh, we want to have a healing school today Uh, but um, uh, we'll be back uh, next Sunday Um, we may be speaking Italian when we come back so just have to uh, have to interpret right and so but come ahead Mr. Jared and uh, receive the offering Mm -hmm. And, and so uh, It'll be a good trip. We're heading out with our family today, so uh, it's always tough on, on the, the pastor to figure out the time when he can leave because you just never want to leave, right? Uh, and so um, that's okay. That's that's the job, amen. Uh, and um, I got no regrets and thankful for it. And um, I'm glad that uh, uh, folks around here don't get upset when we when we head out for a day or two. So. Uh, and if you're upset and don't want to tell me, you know, that's fine. You'll have to get over it, right? And so, uh, but I don't think anybody's upset. So the Lord is good, amen? <clears throat> and so let's be moved with compassion this week, amen? We've got a few more things to talk about and, and uh, hopefully at the end of all this, we'll see how Jesus operated and we can follow the example of the master, amen? Well, be blessed. Have, have a wonderful week. We'll see you in a week.